ってる Hey everybody, new year, new podcast. Same awesome song, with Jenny Teeter. Thank you so much, Whiskey and me. Thanks for joining. This is Ben along with Joe. Kyle is gone tonight. Don't don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. He will be back the next next episode. Kyle, if you're listening, thank you for being on you. tonight. <laughs> hey, this is Bourbon Podcast. A little news, a few reviews, and as always, a lot of booze. Today's <laughs> guest, Michael Palladini, CEO, founder of Penelope Bourbon. Now, Joe, without telling me the story, do you know how Penelope Bourbon got its name? I could tell you everything you wanted to know about <laughs> Penelope. Joe does his research. It was a hot and heated night. Yeah. No, no, we're not going there. They had a child. Yeah. And that no. child you've, was named. You've got to stay tuned for the story. Michael Pellanini tells it much better than we could. This is a great interview. Michael is, um, hey, they've got it going on, man. They they started off with an idea. They started off with a name. You know, it's funny because the folks we've interviewed, what was the number one issue they had? Coming up with a name. Yeah. Remember when we interviewed David Coors, he was like, you know, all the names are taken. And then we interviewed Jackie Zykan. She was like, yeah, trying to come up with a name was difficult. He, the, the name they came up, it was simple. Very simple. It was very simple. It's very lovely. And they're knocking it out of the park. Uh, Penelope Bourbon, we've got uh, Michael Palladini coming on. 27 states they're in. They just started in 2018. 27 states, four countries. So many different expressions, I can't even count anymore. They were recently fe- featured in uh, Men's Journal, which was, that's, that's a big deal. I haven't been in Men's Journal, have you? I have not. And you know what? We we are going to ask the tough questions, and you're going to get the real story yeah. and the history behind Penelope. So we got Michael Palladini coming up. But first, as always, we start with a little news. Just announced today, Four Roses teams up with OSMS salt to launch Four Roses first ever co-branded culinary product. It's a salt. It's a toasted vanilla bourbon salt. It's designed for cocktail enthusiasts. It's for putting on the rim of bourbons. Hmm. Now, here in West Virginia, we've got salt. We got lots of salt. <laughs> we have so much salt that at one point in the history of the United States, it was the largest producing area of salt in the world. It was. It was for and, sure. And that was pre-electricity when you had to store meats and cure things. And it went as far as being the best tasting salt in the world in a London competition, I believe, in the early 19 or eight, late 1800s, correct? Yeah. And, and there are lots of books on salt if you really yep. want to. No, you don't. You don't want to read about you salt. You don't want to anyway, read Anyway, OSMO, Osmo, Salt website. It's 1899. Uh, or if you get on reservebar.com, $60.99, you can get the salt and a Four Roses small pass. What do you think about that? I don't like salt with my whiskey. Well, so well gonna, let me see if I can convince you otherwise. The salt is founded, co-founded by MasterChef finalist Nick DiGiovanni. Yeah, he launched it in 2021 in a in an effort to elevate his uh, home cooking, uh, constantly innovating, bringing unique flavors to consumers. And by the way, they're going to push it out on TikTok because Nick has 9.5 mm. million followers on TikTok. 
We do not have 9.5 million, but we will eventually. I think we should bring in our local chef, Paul, who has, <laughs> who has Charleston, South Carolina roots. Yes. The local salt, finishing salt that we have, which comes from over a 250 million year old, apparently, salt mine. I mean, that's how old that, that underground ocean yes. is here in the mountains of West Virginia. That's right. I think we should do is let's procure that. Let's put those side uh, like a blind, like finishing salt side by side. Let's just do the test. Absolutely. Four Roses Master Distiller Brent Elliott. Quote, this salt allows Four Roses to shine through in a way unlike anything we've done before. The toasted vanilla flavors perfectly balance out the spice notes of our small batch bourbon. And the brininess of the salt subtly enhances the whiskey's flavor and smoothness even more. That's a big quote about salt. That's pretty, you know what? It makes me want to make some salt, <laughs> like some mixture. It makes me want to try it. So yeah. check it out. You know where to find it. Woodford Reserve extends its partnership with Churchill Downs as the presenting sponsor of the Kentucky Derby. Woodford has been the official sponsor, the official sponsor of the Derby since 1999. And this agreement secures the brand's present, the presenting sponsor role through 2027. Interesting. You know, uh, they produced a uh, a bottle during yeah. COVID. There Wait was... A Wait a minute. Tell me more. There was no race, but they did produce a a, a, a bottle that year. No, uh, if you tell me you've got the bottle, I I'm going to be upset. Of course you've got I the got bottle. It. Joe's I find it kind of. I find it interesting that yeah. you know they that's how how strong the relationship is but no that there is a covid bottle out there wow okay and joe's got it probably only one and he's got it uh woodford ceo of brown foreman of course woodford's owned by brown foreman we are proud to renew this partnership as it unites together two of kentucky's greatest attractions bourbon and thurp are you kidding me bourbon and thoroughbreds mm -hmm. that is kentucky yep yeah, and salt and I basketball guess. i guess salt's there too I don't know. <laughs> and basketball <laughs> Old Forster also returns as the official mint julep uh, of the Kentucky Derby and the sponsor of Thurby, a beloved day of live racing held on the Thursday of Derby Week. That's and, pretty cool. Well, I'm huge, as you know, Old Forester fan. Are you a mint julep fan? I, yeah, I like a spirit forward. Any yeah. cocktail spirit forward, if it's the right, you know, the right spirit, obviously. Yeah. But right. um, yeah, I, 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 if it's a real spirit forward, I can really taste the alcohol, but you know, enjoy the flavors of the, you know, the pear that goes yeah. with it. I'm fine with that. All right, let's talk about money. Mm -hmm. You ready for this? I know <laughs> nothing about money. <laughs> yeah. He's an investment banker. <laughs> a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle bourbon just sold for a record-breaking amount at Sotheby's auction. Fifty-two thousand five hundred dollars for one bottle. Now, tell me the story. Oh, well, I don't know much about the bottle. I yeah. tried and I tried, but if for you math whizzes out there, I'm sure you're better at math than than I. Yeah, that how much is per ounce? Two thousand and seventy dollars per ounce. Oh, the Van Winkle brand that now has otherwise normal people like you and me. Standing in line at liquor stores every morning on November uh, in November and December, except for Joe, he always gets to the call. I never get the call. It has a cult-like following. Fourteen bottles of Pappy sold at that auction for four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Joe's like, I need, 
at least my pappies. I should, well, I don't have a whole lot because everybody wants them. Yeah, they always hit up Joe. Like, hey, and Joe, can you get me a... These are our friends. I mean, you're going to do them. But there's a whole lot behind that. Joe, does that sound like a lot of money? Because it's not. If you compare it to the bottles of scotch, mm-hmm. and we're, this uh, is I not a scotch it. No, podcast. It's no, not. I, no, that's okay. Um, you know, the other night, I, let me interrupt you, but... Go ahead. Just for that, for that... For the heck of it, yeah. you know, I'm coming off like uh, a bout of COVID. Then I was kind of well for about a month. Yeah. Did way too much, drank way, way too much. And then ultimately, you know, came down with, um, you know, pneumonia. So just for shits and giggles, excuse my yeah, language, for okay. all the uh, for the FCC and We're everybody listening to this. FCC doesn't regulate podcasts. No, that's Go very ahead. good. Um, I just decided one night, you know, I just drank some Ardbeg. Oh wow! And oh I, my God! And I drank it all night. You're gonna and like this. You're gonna like this story. Then. And it was mossed, and it was good. I had a nice hangover the next day. I bet you did. Hmm. You don't get that with bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So a Macallan 926, 60 year old Scott sold for. Now we're talking about one bottle. Yeah. 1.9 million in 2019. Beautiful. That's crazy. That is good. And in July of this year, a single cask of Ardbeg. Yeah. Which is what you were talking about. It was a 1975 barrel, sold for 19 million dollars. Wow! There you go. 19 million. Now the, the way that they're rolling it out, they're going to yeah. do like 88 bot. It was a private buyer, yeah. so it's you know it's not. The price was probably yeah. in public. The buyer's identity is not. Was it you? Did you buy it? I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny the purchase of that art bag. That, Joe that, just that pleaded night. fifth. That night when I was drinking a bottle of art. Yeah. Joe's got an Amex with an, without a limit. So just true. his wife is like, Joe, why is there 19 million on the credit card? So this cask, actually this cask, it, there are 440 bottles in this. Mm-hmm. This was a really big barrel. Uh, and the funny thing is, that even That's though it was 19, 19 million, that averages out to $43,181 per bottle, which is under the Pappy Van Winkle. Hmm. I don't. Did they? Did they kind of cut that down with? No, no. That's cash. That's cash, right? That's cash. Four hundred forty bottles. Uh, average forty three. Doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's got to be like an extra large barrel or something. It's a big old barrel, it's Joe. Be a Nineteen million dollars worth. Giant's barrel. You know, um, what makes the scotch real interesting, which we don't really have. Like we have these, like hot rolling, Appalachian hills. Yeah. You know. Like the humidity's festering, the you know the mosquitoes are horrible, and our and our <laughs> Jeez, and our whiskey. <laughs> it's not like the Amazon jungle. Our whiskey is exposed to this, you know, yeah. year round. Yeah, like you, and then you read in the back of the Ardbeg box, and it's like, and it's totally different dynamics here. It's like the fierce, you know, weather and the storms and the, yeah. and it really, um, Scotland's such a different story like the different you know distillery different regions and how they're impacted by their weather by their aging process and Ardbeg's a relatively new distillery compared to the others but it's fascinating and we can learn a lot from them in terms of you know they've been they've been around a lot longer than bourbon and they, oh, yeah. you know through uptown up times and down times oh yeah our bag almost they declared have, bankruptcy they back, have held way back when. but all these uh you know scotch has kind of generally held their you know their value in a range and it'll be very curious to see and i'm sure it will that bourbon now is kind of like the oh 
you know, will hold that range. And then I would challenge you to find a third type of liquor in the world anywhere. This little tiny country of Scotland and the yeah. United States that would, would could kind of claim that. I mean, I'm sure that Canada would say they're rye whiskey, but you could still find a 40-year-old yeah. rye whiskey for $200, you know? Oh, come on. Not Canada. I mean, think about that. That how much I would how long it took to age that one barrel? Yeah, no, that, that's true. And they only got two hundred dollars a bottle. That's true. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, right. Canada! <laughs> no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. USA. Old Forester's newest bourbon is getting some attention. You were talking about the weather and the, you know, the the crazy conditions and the giant mosquitoes. What about fires at the distillery? Mm-hmm. Old Forester one seventeen. This this is about oh, this yeah. is a few weeks old. Old Forester 117, extra, extra old, is an experiment gone right. Mm-hmm. The 117 uh, series commemorates the fire at a distillery located at 117 yeah. Main Street in Louisville. Back in October 22 of 1910, mm. I was not alive then. Back then, the barrels were removed because of the fire damage and then rebarreled, and it produced a very unique taste, and apparently it was very tasty. So to create the to recreate the taste, Old Forster left its 1910, which is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. expression in a heavily charred secondary barrel for two years to create the 117. Yeah. And it's a limited release. You'll probably actually what's the, you will probably get it. Well, what's the retail on it? Because I see it oh, all over the secondary retail. retail. I mean, I don't. Here's know. the here's the here's the thing. Um, I'm not actually very interested in that one for because i uh, i see it on the secondary i'm not sure i bought into the you know the extra two years hype um I, what i have been going after are those the, the 150th right and oh yeah you know then the 150th i have you know batch two and three and i've been kind of eyeballing batch one and those have those have a uh, really high thing. they've been they, they've got a high premium on them but i'm just going to do it to kind of throw it in the collection but um i love the old Forester bourbon products. I yeah, mean, I, I, mean I love the birthday bourbons, the 1920s, the 1910s. We've done a barrel strength, private barrel of, uh, um, um, that's our club, Appalachian yeah. Barrel Select, Appalachian Whiskey Society. I think I have one of those. And they're amazing. That that was the second ever barrel strength uh, release, private barrel in the, in the country during COVID, um, actually in September during COVID. And um, we also did prior to that, a kind of a standard proof released private barrel of the kind of their black label and then went to blue with the barrel strength. So I'm a huge fan of old Forester. We picked out yeah. multiple barrels there and obviously their connection to Jack Daniels. Um, Jack Daniels is doing some pretty great things as well. Old Forester 117 extra, extra old is the first whiskey released under the new master taster, Melissa Rift. The bourbon is 93 proof. It's released in very limited qualities, which means you're going to have to pay a lot for yeah. it. Uh, and I think it was released at the old uh, Forster Distillery, which is now, after the fire, 119 Main Street. That's right. I was there yesterday. I should have stopped in. Yeah. I wish I would have gotten one. So when you were walking around as a tourist in there, Ben, where is, where's Kyle when you need him? Because he would be <laughs> calling you out. <laughs> when you're walking around, did you see that like uh, group of people down below actually picking a private barrel out yeah. like in the middle? That would it's be disgusting. me. That would be me. I wanted to go down there. <laughs> anyway, folks, Anyways. thanks for tuning in. We've got Michael Palladini. If you want to know how Penelope got its name, if you want to know about Penelope yep. Bourbon, yep. 
Stay tuned. Great episode. You're going to love it. Hey, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Now, before we get going, we have four different Penelope bottles sitting on the table. And I'm thinking about cracking the uh, rosé cask finish. Do you recommend starting with that one or Architect? Which one should we go with? All right. Well, I like that. Sounds like it's a good uh, good start to the show. Um, it really depends. Like, So what, what are the other ones that you have? So Kyle or Joe, tell us a little bit. We've got Architect. We've yep. got uh, all three. Three of them are from the Four Grain series. We've got Barrel Strength. And we have... The Toasted series. Toasted. Barrel Strength. So we have all three of those uh, bottles, and we have the rosé cast finish. I love it. I love it. Well, appreciate it. Thank you guys for the support and everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're all kind of unique in in their own regard. I mean, I I, I think you know how I've always kind of like sometimes doing it is you go by you go by the proof. Okay. And you know, so I think with uh, the rosé cast finish, that's uh, that's a nine that's ninety four proof and. Right. It's going to have a little bit of uh, so it's a unique one. We finished that in um, these hundred percent Grenache barrels, um, Grenache rosé barrels, and uh, yeah, it's going to have a, a a little bit of a different profile than maybe some of the other wine cast finishes I've right, tried. Let's see if I can get a good pop on this. <laughs> with with the glass top. Yeah, the glass top's a little different. Yeah. So why the why the glass top? Oh wait a minute. Here we go. Let's see if we can pop it. Kind of like those situations, like yeah. rosé cast finish, we might as well go, go all the way. Kind of more <laughs> typical of what you might see in, in on a, a rosé wine bottle. All right. Now, I do like the glass top, by the way. And, and just before we get into the story, if it has a glass top, does that mean I can store it on its side? I I I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have uh, I, I don't have the information on that. So. Yeah. Do it on the, it's a, that's a, that's a do it at your own risk situation. <laughs> All right. Do not try that at home until we experiment with it. You can try it, but I'm not too sure. All right. So we are sipping on the rosé cast finish. Um, 94 proof, right? 94 proof. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So the, you had, there's a great story behind mm-hmm. this, this release. Uh, it's got COVID and delays and overseas travel, everything kind of mixed in. Um, tell us a little bit about this particular release. Well, it's funny. I mean, so the rosé, so we did the rosé cast finish. That was actually our our third, uh, our third release, our third, like our third product that we introduced. Um, and so when we had first started, we had our four grain which was our, our 80 proof. We have our barrel strength, which is, you know, obviously the, uh, the, it's like a red, it's our red label. Um, and you know, we had those two products going and it was, you know, we were just kind of starting out and we were like, just started getting curious about different things we can do with, with this four grain blend that we were, we were kind of had been working with since the beginning. So, uh, I don't know. I think we were just, I was talking to my partner, Danny, and we were, just talking over the phone about different things. And we had, uh, we had, we actually had gotten uh forged a relationship with this, this gentleman named Rob Crandall from Speyside. And we had been kind of just chatting with him about different ideas for cast finishes. You know, we were, we were doing a lot of testing with uh, Jerry, like PX and Oloroso. And I think we just, I don't know. My, I think, I think we were, I was on the phone with Danny and my wife walks by, she loves Rosé and she goes, well, why don't you do a Rosé finish? And we're like, well, that's kind of interesting. 
And, you know, like neither one, neither Danny nor I are like know anything about the wine industry or wine for that matter. And we were like, well, that sounds good. And, you know, we ran it by Rob and he's like, well, there's a little bit of an issue. You know, rosé is really not barrel aged. And we're like, well, that's definitely going to be an issue. And we said, well, if you happen to come across, you know, rosé, if you happen to come across any throughout your travels all around the world, you know, keep us posted because we'd love to do it. And we had, you know, in the, while we were going through that, Danny and I had went out and we had purchased about 20 bottles of rosé in the middle of January. And we just started tinkering with um, testing different rosés, just literally placing small percentages of these into our foregrain. And we kind of were able to narrow it down that we really wanted this 100% Grenache. And I don't know, long story short, it was actually a great night of tasting. There was a lot of whiskey and a lot of wine that night. It was a really fun, fun <laughs> evening. Um, but yeah, long story short, Rob ended up calling us and he's like, guys, I found, found some barrels for you. Do you want them? And we said, absolutely. Oh, wow. That's great. Hey, so we got ahead of ourselves. We did. I want to talk about the beginning. Let's go back to 2018. Tell us how, and you just, you just had a great article, by the way, in men's journal, loved it. That had to be great for you all. And, um, I'm glad they covered you, but it's such, it's such a great story. I want you to tell people, how did Penelope start? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, uh, I mean, we, we, you know, I don't come from the spirits industry, so I, you know, didn't really have any background or, or connections for that matter, but you know, I like bourbon and that was always my drink of choice. And I, you know, one of those situations where my wife and I, we were trying to have children for, you know, for a while. And we said, if we had a girl, we loved the name Penelope. Mm. And, you know, after years of trying and, Finally, uh, we found out we got the big news. We're having a girl and we knew the name right away, Penelope. And I was like, I don't know, man, it's like probably two or three days later. I was like, oh, man, it's got a good that Penelope bourbon. Man, it's got a good ring to it. <laughs> and I was like, I want to do it. I want to start this this company. I think this could be really just fun. And so I was like, well, the first thing you got to do if you're going to start a whiskey brand is you need whiskey. <laughs> right. So, and that was, that's where it kind of all started back. This was back in probably early summer, 2018. And I had never even heard of MGP to put context around it. So I remember reading an article, I think it was in like NPR or something like that about this large distillery in Indiana. And I, you know, I ended up just cold calling them. It was like, <laughs> I joke around with folks. I think they're like, I called their main switchboard. It was like 1-800-BOURBON or something like that, right? <laughs> and I, uh, no, I ended up calling them and said, hey, I got the, I no business plan. No, no, just, just, hey, I want to do this. Like, here's where I'm at. And they, you know, we ended, I ended up getting a plus one from MGP. They're like, all right, well, they had it all teed up. I kind of made it sound like maybe I was going to buy like a lot of barrels. Yeah. But like in reality, I definitely wasn't. And so they had this whole thing set up in the summer and they go, you want a plus one. And I was, you know, I, Danny, now my partner, he ended up just coming with me. He thought it'd be fun just to go on a whiskey tasting trip. And, uh, kind of that's, that's actually where it all started. Wow. And it's just blown up. I mean, you're in what, 27 states and four countries now. Yeah. Yeah. So there's times I still can't believe it. I see it everywhere. I was in uh, Louisville yesterday at a store and saw a couple. I actually grabbed another one while I was there. And uh, I've, I've been a big fan. I, I think I first had it maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And, you know, appreciate you coming on. So we we finished the uh, – we, we really – we love the rosé cask. I mean, that's really, really good. I like it. I think this is one that, 
that probably a lot of a lot of of the wine drinkers will enjoy, right? I think so. You know, like with with a lot of your other red wine finished mm-hmm. bourbons, they're the it can be dominant. You know the the barrel finish, but this one's um, slighter, and it's yeah. it's uh, like you get more kind of candied fruit, and um, you could definitely taste the influence of the Grenache Rosé barrels. Yeah. So, Michael, what what is the next one we should try? Architect, uh, toasted. Yeah, well, I we'll keep we'll keep on the proof train for for now, and uh, you know, and with, it's interesting too, just on the rosé front. But I think like when we were when we were started out, I, I for me like my palate in particular, and I know Danny's kind of similar as well. But you know, we really wanted um, we really wanted to be a great whiskey. Mm-hmm. as like a starting off point and the the finish like the rosé kind of cast component to the profile was really tr- meant to be more subtle you kind of almost have to dig for the flavor a little bit i mean it's there but you have to kind of like it's not it's not going to like blast you with uh like this like strawberry note it's it's going to be a little bit more subtle and that's kind of the intention and kind of the idea behind it and actually that's kind of been a lot for for a majority of some of our cast finishes we've done we've kind of taken that same approach and um, but going on to the next one, I mean, I, I would say, why don't we, if you guys want to pop open the architect, I yeah. think that's a, that's a good next, next go. step. Well, while Ben's popping that open, so let's go pop on here. Hang on. Let's yeah. go back to your, um, your MGP. There we oh, go. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, that, when, was a good pop right there. that was good. Uh, picking out those barrels at MGP. I, I find it interesting for the readers, uh, that there are three different MGP bourbons that are masterfully i'm sure blended uh one's a 99 percent corn bourbon aged yep. at least three years 21 percent rye bourbon that that's their uh, low rye recipe um aged three years and the 45 percent weeded bourbon the 45 percent um i'm sorry weeded bourbon mgp aged at least two years so was there a process you went through to decide because they've obviously there are a whole lot of barrels uh, different recipes there how'd you come up with those three barrels <laughs> that's a great i mean i'm almost gonna be embarrassed to say this because this was all right keep in mind this is like our first it's like i think this might be my like first whiskey tasting like ever mm-hmm. like so we were we were am like this was a deer in headlights sort of situation that we we went into and uh yeah we didn't we i think we had an idea like so we were you know now we have multiple product product lines but you know back in you know so back in and making it sound like it's like so long ago but literally just like five years ago um we kind of had this thought well for our initial product uh we we really thought that a lot of the bourbons were getting higher and higher proof and we felt like there was an opportunity to maybe you know try to put out like some sort of competitor to basil hayden so we said well look why don't we go in an 80 proof and you know where we're where we live is in New Jersey. You know, basil's could be like forty nine, fifty bucks a bottle. And we're like, well, let's try to go in at that at that proof point, make it a little bit more approachable um, for a wider audience, and you know, price it aggressively. And maybe we can take this, like a small percentage of market share from them in New Jersey. And that that was kind of like the idea going into it. We get to MGP, and they've got, like you said, they've got tons of different mash bills on the table. So they have all of their mash bills on the table and samples ranging from two-year-old all the way up to 11-year-old. And so we were kind of like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. Like, where do we even begin? And, you know, nobody even gave us the memo that you probably should spit. 
So we're like, we're like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of like, it's more like we're having fun. This is great. Like we're kind of like getting into it. And, you know, I think, well, you know, my palate, I, I really like love some of their higher rye bourbons. I love their rye whiskeys. And so I started gravitating more towards the rye bourbon. Danny, on the other hand, started gravitating more towards these 99 corns and 45 weeds. And I think I like MGP, they don't really say much, but they were like, kind of like, well, you know, you could always blend them together. And we started kind of mixing and matching. And we're like, when we kind of put the three of them together, we're like, well, this is real. And we kind of both looked up, we're like, well, this is really interesting. And we liked it. And yeah, we might've had a few before that, you know, we were kind of <laughs> sipping quite a few of these. So we couldn't tell if it was just a uh, pal was going, but we did like it. And that was, that was kind of the basis. I mean, we, we it was as just kind of on, on nothing super exciting. It was just like we put them together and, and, you know, we kind of thought like, well, heck, they're going to mail us a sample in this thing and it's probably going to be terrible. But when we got, even got the sample back a few days later, we we're like, wow, I, you know, we really, we really liked it. And so we decided to go full steam ahead with it. Yeah. So getting the juice right is one thing. How do you then get it out? I mean, what was your background? What did you do before you were the CEO of Penelope Bourbon? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I worked in uh, software, like doing software sales and things like that. And Danny's uh, uh, was like a mechanical engineer. So that's that was a whole other side of the business. Keep in mind, we were doing the product development for, you know, now probably for the, the good portion of 2018. Um, you know, a lot of it had to do with just getting like permits, mm. federal permits, state permits. Like that was another memo no one gave us. That's like your business, <laughs> just like. You knew it was regulated. You just didn't know how regulated and how fragmented it was at the state level. And, uh, you know, for us, too, like when we had we had looked at it, like I keep mind, MGP was kind of like, well, these guys, you know, thinking these, these guys are probably going to buy a couple thousand barrels. They had a real nice spread for us of mash bills to try. And uh, we ended up just kind of put all of our poker chips in. And we said, we'll take six barrels, two of each mash bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were kind of like, what? And we said, yeah, we're the, we're the big spenders coming in right now. And, but we knew we'd mess, you know, we knew things were going to go wrong and, you know, we, we, we don't have like outside investors. And so we, we just, just play it super conservatively. And, you know, the thing for us too, is I couldn't wrap my head around the fact of what, what was hard for me to wrap my head around was, you know, you could buy the six, seven, eight, nine year bourbons at that time, mm. but I couldn't wrap my head around. I, 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 you know, we wanted a product that was going to be readily available like that was going to be on the shelf. Right. And so, you know, at the time we, we, we ultimately decided to start with two to three year old barrels. And this was, you know, back in 2018 and we'll gradually, you know, if we, if we can stay fiscally responsible and keep reinvesting back into our barrel inventory, you know, our ages are going to slowly increase over time. Like it's not going to happen overnight, but it'll slowly start to increase and, you know, instead of, you know, potentially running the risk of our first product out of the gate is like a seven year. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, they don't have any more seven year barrels. So then it's this year. And so we try to try to make it as consistent as possible. So you do have a 13 year old uh, product, right? The American Light. We have not tried that one, but no. And how did you come about the, the American Light? Well, and yeah, and so that was one like, and as we started getting into the business more and we built up a good relationship with uh, with MGP, but with, with many other distilleries for that matter now. And it was one of those situations where these really kind of funky, cool 13-year light whiskey barrels that were, you know, from the original LDI 
facility at that which is now mgp mm-hmm. um yeah they had they had offered them up and we tried them and we're like whoa these are like these are really these are really different and they were i love them they were delicious and so we, we it was kind of a not really aligned with what what the products that we were creating within our like full grain series and toasted and things like that but we said look we'll just come up with a series as our founders reserve and basically it's just like these kind of rare unique barrels that we happen to stumble upon you know as we're kind of going down this this crazy journey and we can kind of just release them regardless of what they are it's just things that we found to be really really good and and that's where the 13 year light whiskey came out so it was just kind of a one and done something that we yeah. we actually released in january of last year and is that kind of the plan for the future if you can come across some of these barrels like the 13 year old are you going to do like limited release barrels like that too yeah exactly so like we have another one coming out this year um probably probably around like early july like end of june time frame and they're the original 10-year 95.5 weeded whiskeys from mgp Mm. the experimental barrels Mm. and you know there's all you know there's not many of them and but you know that's another example where it's weeded whiskey it's completely different not nothing that's aligned with really what we've done so far to date but the barrel they were really cool they were just delicious and we're like that's a perfect kind of brand to, to put them under similar to the light whiskey for sure so how many children do you have now i have two so i have penelope now is four yeah. and my son henry is one and a half all right so my and i saw that on instagram i stalked your instagram page before this interview my question is when's henry getting his bourbon well wait a minute <laughs> uh first of all who is cooper isn't is that your partner's son yeah, so it's funny. So when Danny and I, when we went, so we, we go to MGP in 2018. We're, we're both married. We have zero children between the two of us. Fast forward to now, five years later, and we have five children. Oh, my God. All under the age, all basically four years and younger. Wow. Between the two of us. You need a good whiskey. bonkers. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So Cooper, Cooper, that's, uh, so the Cooper series is... That's uh, that's like basically our wine cast finishes. So the rosé, we have Valencia and our Tokai cast finish. Those all fall under the Cooper series, which is Danny's son. And then, uh, yeah, Henry, I don't know. We got to figure something out. <laughs> I feel like I got a few years to figure it out, though. Yeah. Something tells me Henry's going to get something. He's going to get something named something. after, right? Yeah, we call him the big guy. Let's we'll figure out something for the big guy. Oh, the big guy. It'll be like a limited release. The big guy bourbon. I, I like that. Yeah. You know what I did think I had? A, I'll tell you, I do have an idea, though. I do like I, I like the malt space. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of different, but I thought there, there's a lot that we can do within that category. And that could be a great avenue for, for, for potentially like a Henry line. Yeah. Yeah, we had David Coors on here not yeah. too long ago. and. That their first release was essentially a very high malted whiskey, right? Right. Utilizing their, you know, the grains that they use for for beer. So what? So what is the plan for the future? You've got the uh, the new release coming out in June or July. What what else is in the works? Well, we got, um, you know, for for right now, I think this year we're, you know, like just from a company perspective, we, you know, we have our uh, we have partnerships uh, with different bottling partners and those will continue, but we also have our own bottling line in New Jersey. And, you know, we want to keep putting, putting, you know, making improvements and making that better and more efficient. So like, obviously there's a lot that we're just doing 
at our own kind of facility here in New Jersey. Um, but from a product perspective, uh, you know, we're really going to be kind of doubling down. We want to continue to to like go deep with like our four grain, our barrel strength, um, our the architect series, and then toasted. So within toasted, it's really a series. So we've always had toasted bourbon. And last year we started experimenting with a little toasted rye. And so later this year, um, we'll pause bourbon. So we'll pause the bourbon component of it. And, and we will be releasing uh, a, a wide release as part of the series, probably in like the start of the fall, uh, a toasted rye. And, mm. the, and that's using a really good, uh, delicious 100% rye whiskey mash bill. And it's... You know, from the R and D and some of the barrels that we tried as part of our our bench trials, it, it's I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, wow. That, so that good. sounds interesting. Yeah. So tell us about we're drinking the Architect right yeah. now. So very, again, very good by the way. Yeah, for our listeners, they have a series called the Four Grain series, which includes their traditional Four Grain release, the Architect we're drinking now, Toasted series, and the Barrel Strength, and then they have a Cooper series named after your partner's son. And those are your essentially your kind of your wine cask or other cask finish, and including uh, I guess we didn't talk about Rio, but uh, and then you have your Founders Reserve, which are I would call those extremely limited. They don't fall in the other category. They're, they're barrels that you kind of discover that would fall under that particular category. But tell us about the Architect because it uses according to this two styles of French oak staves. Mm. Yeah, so the so with Architect, I mean, these were through a partnership. Again, this is with Spaceside. We we've been you know working with them for quite some time on a variety of different projects, you know, within the with different wine casks. So uh, Spaceside, they own this uh, big wine cooperage out of France called Redoux. Now, within the wine industry, they that that facility was working on doing a lot of stave projects specific to the wine industry. So really trying to hone in on, uh, you know, these tannin levels within staves, whether they're, they're low tannin uh, content and, or high or intense or whatever it might be. But it was really specific to the wine kind of side of their business and like kind of dialing in a wine profile. And Rob called and he's like, I actually think these things can be pretty cool with bourbon. And we said, well, that sounds awesome. So let's try it. And so we actually started, we took our four grain, we created you know, we, for each product, we kind of tailor it and like dial in a blend. It's always going to be a little bit different, but kind of using those same mash bills. And we, you know, we ended up, uh, go, you know, we each build within architect, we kind of do call it like this, like call it like an oak build, but like using different staves, all French oak at this point, but all from Redoux. And yeah, that, that's the idea. So it's, um, it's our full grain blend. It's then tanked. And then we'll we'll add in a variety of different French oak staves to dial in a pro, to dial in like a really kind of a specific profile we're trying to hit. Well, and it's unique. There's no doubt about it from the last whis- whiskey we had. Yeah, no, and you're gonna get like you know you get that you know French oak is a much yeah. tighter grain, so you're gonna it's just gonna have like a much more kind of rich kind of sweet profile to it, and. Uh, we felt well, I thought it complemented the four grain really well because our profile is generally pretty sweet as it is, um, but this kind of rounds it out nicely. Well, and at 104 proof uh, compared to the 80 proof on the standard four grain, it's uh, it's definitely there's a, there's a there's a kick there when you're drinking it. But again, if you're going back to Montauk, New Jersey, and 
kind of what you're looking for in terms of this easy drinking whiskey, this has it. It has a lot of those citrus notes, and but but very forward, like you said, on the nose, on the palate finish, the French oak dominates here. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I, it's a change of pace. It, it's one that I would go to. Yeah. And what 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 uh, build what build number is uh, that that particular bottle? Mm. Let's see here, back maybe. Let's say it on oh, the build back. number three. Build number three. Build number three. Yeah. No. Okay. So they're all and they're all a little bit different. I mean, they're going to be kind of you're going to be kind of in the same family of profiles, but you know, like build one, we used uh, this what was called like we used two different stays, but the primary stay was a delicate stay, which is very low tannin. So you're going to get like a lot more floral notes yep. and things. And that, that that's really coming from the toast level that they're putting on the, uh, these particular staves and build, you know, with three in particular, that, that was much more, we use these, what they call complex and intense staves. So it was a little bit of a higher toast level on the, on the actual stave itself. And it just is that, you know, it brings out a much different yep. profile. So yep. Well, I have a question. So, so now between you and Danny, you have five kids. And if you're not drinking Penelope Bergman in the, in the evening when you go home, what's your go-to? What do you sip? Oh, uh, water. What? <laughs> Why do we hear this from every, every one, yeah. master distiller? It's like, what every, do you do when you go home? Yeah, well, I drink water and I get sleep. Water and sleep. That's the number one answer. <laughs> yeah, I love I'm a big water. I've been on a huge water kick lately. No, I mean – it's funny, like, I don't have a big bourbon coach. I was actually something I was thinking about over the holidays, too. I was like, you know, it'd be nice. I should try to have some cool some cool bourbons I've gotten and, and you know, whether I purchased or given to me as a gift or something over the last few years. But it's tiny. I mean, I'm talking it's like four to five. I don't have a big collection. But, um, no, I mean, honestly, my, my go-to pours, like, you know, we're always like the, the kind of Buffalo Trace, like the Eagle Rares, like just – you know, I, I was, I, I never, I, I just kind of had my go-tos and I was pretty, pretty set, set there. But, you know, now when I'm really drinking bourbon, it's usually, it's usually like a, I mean, it's usually a barrel sample. It's just, it's a sample of some kind that yeah. one, one way or another, like one of us was going to have to try it. So whether it's at 11 in the morning at the office or <laughs> at night, and I usually prefer to do it at night. So that, that's usually what I end up, what I end up doing as well. All right, the last two we'll have you pick from. So we have the Barrel Strength Toasted. Oh, nice. And that, it looks to be about 115 proof. And then we have the Standard Barrel Standard, standard Barrel Strength, 115.8. Pretty close. Oh, nice. okay. Which do you want? Which do we pour? I would go with just the, the regular Barrel Strength. There we go. All right. And then the uh, Toasted Barrel Strength. All right, let's see here. Let's see here. Oh, that, that was, was a good pop. Yeah. So I read a I read a quote. Which, on the, the barrel strength. I'm sorry. What was that? Oh, sorry. No, I was saying what what batch number barrel strength is it? Let's see here. Batch ten. Oh, batch ten. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm a uh, big barrel strength guy. I love that one. Like that was just recently. So tell us about batch ten. Is it using a similar mm -hmm. blend? of MGP bourbons and it, it's what uncut unfiltered and, uh, or, or is there some variation of batch 10? Yeah. So we, so now like, uh, uh, like right when we first started, we were actually like 
we would we would like siphon off barrel string. It was probably like the first two batches of it, which were so small they were probably fifty cases. It was just a small kind of trial of it. But yeah, so a story like way back in when we first started, we always we would just siphon it off and be like, okay, this is it. But now what we do is every product has its own allocation of barrels. And it's, you know, and that's probably Danny. Danny's just been unbelievable at it where, you know, he is categorizing all of these barrels into different products. Um, and, you know, especially with, you know, for us, what I found to be really helpful is, you know, because we were new to the space and but for us, by sticking with like the same three mash bills across a lot of our products, it really, you know, it just allowed us to really dial in our palettes on all three of these really, really closely. And so, you know, we kind of have a good idea of, you know, try this, try a 99 corn. You kind of have like a pretty good idea of where, what product that's going to fit best in. And so barrel strength, you know, every product has its own kind of allocation of barrels, um, ranging in ages, uh, barrel strength. It's usually the wheat is around four and a half wheat. The wheat is always historically the youngest, just given the, the supply of wheat. But so Batch 10 is basically four to six-year-old, hmm. so four a year being the wheat and like five and a half being the rye. And and I think that the core might be just like a hair over six-year-old. So it's, um, you know, those are that, that's kind of the makeup of it. But yeah, the blend in each batch, the blend is going to be a little bit different. So it'll, you know, vary depending on the barrels, but we really let the barrels dictate where the blend's going to go. That's so fantastic. starting off, we, you know, we sample through all of the 99 corn barrels. Pick, you know, there might not even be some that make it or that just seem off profile. So you kind of sample through all the mashes, come up with a blend, three blends. So you have a blend of all the 99 corn barrels, blend of the 21 rye, and a blend of the 45 wheat barrels. And then you can dial in, then you start dialing in your your actual kind of final blend between the three of them. Interesting. I love it. Yeah. I, the, it's, I tell you, the I, common thread is like fruits and citrus yeah. and almost all this. Again, we're going back to Montauk. Yeah. And those, or maybe that does that, you know, there was somewhere where I read where you wanted that beach town kind of feel for your, for your bourbons, but they, they, there's a common thread between everything we've had today. Yeah. I, I'll tell you that. Yeah. No, you're going to get a lot of that yeah. kind of almost some like orange yeah. zest. Yeah. yeah. Like citrus, floral, yeah. and uh, yeah, that and I yeah. think that's coming. I mean, most of our mash bills are in the you know seventy percent plus corn, and yeah, fifteen percent wheat. Yeah, I was kind of estimating maybe seventy five percent corn or higher, and and but it's, I, I, again because the the rye component is somewhat low, um, there are times where I'm thinking like, oh, I'm at a movie. And it's like sweet popcorn yeah. I'm eating, you know, <laughs> like, like citrus popcorn or something. But no, it's a uh, um, common thread again. Yeah. And it's uh, easy to drink. It is very easy to drink. The barrel strength, yeah. even, I mean, yeah. it went down. Yeah. You know, we're drinking it straight. It's no water, no yeah. ice. Oh, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Good. All right. So last but not least, barrel strength toasted series. Hey, while we're doing that, tell us about maybe you ought to give Henry the real. Oh, that's oh, a good I one. like that one. Maybe you ought to get, maybe I'd be called like uh, Rio and Henry or Henry's Rio. I really found it interesting. I don't know where you all are, if you're going to release Rio, 
but I, I, I find it exciting because I'm married to an Argentine woman. Oh, nice. And, nice. and okay. maybe you can, have you, where, where are you with the Brazilian project? And by the way, the Argentines don't uh, look very highly upon either in soccer or in person to the Brazilians, <laughs> but it's close to where she's from. Yeah. I, I just find it interesting what the, in your next Cooper series that this, is this coming? Really? Yeah, so this is this is one we've been working on it for a while, and it just kind of happened. This whole Rio uh, Umbriana kind of cast component was like just kind of very, very kind of. I mean, literally, it was like almost like let's just try it, let's just try it, right? So we had been working on a honey cast finish for probably going on about a year and a half, two years now, and we had been. I mean, heck, the honey was in the our bourbon barrels. I mean, I think we forgot about him. It was in there for so long. We're like, hey, whatever happened to that honey project we were working on? They're like, oh, it's still at the cider. We, you know, we, we were we were aging it at a cider farm in New Jersey, just because like honey and the sugars and you, you most likely if you do it in house, it's probably going to attract ants. So we figured <laughs> cider, but the cidery they they're kind of used to it and they have a good process for how to control all that. So we had this honey going for quite some time. Then when we dumped the honey. And then filled up, created a four grain blend, and had those had our bourbon resting in these now honey barrels. Um, it was coming out great. I mean, we had people who would come to our facility, and we'd have them try it, and they loved it. But it was like one of those situations where, like, oh man, it's like you know, honey's been done, and it's not like it's it's fun. It's actually a really fun project to do, but it's it's you know something that's been done before. And you know, at the same time, this is now fast forward. This is December, maybe late November, we just had received these Umbriana barrels that we had ordered like eight months earlier. So it was one of those situations. I think we were like, man, I bet you the honey with the sweetness combined with that kind of rich cinnamon, bold kind of spicy profile you're getting from Umbriana could, could really bode really well together. And so we ran these kind of quick bench trials and we were like, oh, this is this is fan. This was it was fantastic. So we said, let's 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 just do it. Let's just you know, let's just go full steam ahead with it. And I don't know, we kind of like to brand things. And we said, well, it's Brazilian and Rio, so we kind of was like, oh, it's kind of a party in a bottle. And Rio just had a nice fit to it, so we said, let's just let's just run with it. And so it should give you these sugar cane, as what I was reading, sugar cane spirit like. Almost like rum finish, right? I mean, these aren't previously. Are these previously? They're not previously used barrels, so these are are basically that wood, particular wood produced. Correct. That's great. Because these barrels are expensive and they're extremely takes extremely long to get, and so when you put honey in them, it's not like it's one of those. It's hard to reuse them for anything else. Mm. Well, you probably could. It could be even unique throwing something else in there afterwards, but. Oh. It's, you know, honey, that's gonna they're gonna coat that uh, Rihanna barrels pretty, pretty quickly, and you're gonna get like a lot of like gingerbread notes. Now, are those going to go to uh, your bottling partner in Kentucky at the barrels? Because I was thinking locally, the largest brewery in West Virginia is Greenbrier Valley Brewing. How interesting would that be to finish a beer? Yeah. Finish a beer right. in those barrels when you're done with them. I have them reach out. No, I mean that that would be. I'm reaching out. I, I, I own. I own. I haven't, I haven't I'm, talked to team. I don't know what we're planning on doing with them afterwards, but yeah. I'm. You know, we're always we always we do a lot of collaborations with breweries, so wow. that would be great. 
Hey, that's got to be good, right? Hey, I can make an executive decision. Because <laughs> I'm the secondary owner of that brewery. I have a selfish <laughs> motive here. Yeah. I, I, I'll but tell you what, we Michael. That'd be th- kind of fun. This, uh, Let's go to the toasted. Yeah. This toasted yeah. is fantastic. Toasted. Yeah, I love it's it. very good. So we're looking at uh, char three, toast heavy, age four to five years, batch 86. Oh, yeah, I remember. Um, I, I'd probably get in trouble, but I could drink this all day long. It's, it's that good. You know the you know what you expect from a toasted barrel of those honey, kind of dominant honey you know flavors and profile. It's all over this, and the viscosity is great on this one. Yeah, it really is. Got to tell you. Yeah, this is one, folks. If you haven't tried uh, Penelope, you need to go try it because um, I'm loving it. The uh, we've tried the barrel strength, we've tried the toasted, we've tried the rosé cask finish. And then we try to architect. Yep. All of them are great. Yeah. And I, uh, help us out with this one too. I think the toasted barrel, you know, you're, uh, it's basically, it's, it's almost what, two additional years or around that time frame that in a toasted barrel, additional aging, which kind of is what boosts it to that kind of age profile. About well, a year and a half. What's interesting about toasted, it actually, so the, the finishing period varies dramatically and it varies, uh, primarily based on that what, the char, really the char level of the secondary toasted barrel is. So if it's a high char, like a char five, um, it's a very, it's the finishing period is, is usually no more like max 90 days. Right. Like at mm-hmm. the max, cause it will over extract. I mean, it will just, it, it will, it will, it would just, yeah, that that's always been that kind of, that's the threshold. Um, but as you start going down from the, into char four, char three, char two and char one, the finishing period will get longer and longer and longer and longer. And so that's what's kind of been fun about our toasted series is, you know, we were originally, we were kind of thinking we, we started out with just four toasted barrels, different char and toast levels, and we'll kind of dial it in and pick one char, you know, toast level and just run with it. And what we kind of found what was fun, it's like, well, it's one of the cool things about it was that, you know, there's just char one medium toast that we're finishing for six and a half months or seven and a half months, however long, whatever the time was, just brought out such a different profile and such a different note. And it was just unbelievable. But then we would try to do this like char five heavy toast. We're like, oh, this is, this is, this is great. So we just said, let's just keep kind of having fun with it. And that's why we put the char toast level on the bottle because each batch will, you know, would be, is going to be different. Wow. Yeah, well, and this one was for the uh, listeners. It was char three, and the uh, toast level toast was heavy. Heavy, yeah. Michael, we've loved it. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. I told you this was going to be like a twenty to twenty five minute segment. I think we're almost at forty minutes. And oh uh, and and if I had more bottles, I would sit here and drink them. So uh, <laughs> thankfully, I only have four in the studio. Um, otherwise, I would probably not be able to get home. My yeah. wife, my wife's glad I only have four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Thanks, yeah, Michael. It's a great podcast. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much. Congratulations on all your success. Uh, folks, if you haven't tried Penelope, you got to try it. If you see it on the shelf, grab it. Uh, I am particularly fond of the barrel strength and the toasted barrel, uh, the toasted series barrel strength architect was fantastic as well. So, do yourself a favor, pick up Penelope Bourbon. Joe, I got to tell you, um, I'm having trouble deciding which of the four I like the best. 
I'm leaning towards toasted, and I'm not a toasted guy. Yeah. I typically shy away from the toasted barrels, but there's something special about this one. Yeah, it has really nice viscosity. You get the cream, and then the, you know, you, the notes that you want that are kind of honey-related, you get lots of honey. Um, it almost, uh, at that high proof, smooths out some of the edges that we were getting from, you know, some of the other you know, barrels, uh, the bottles that we've tried yeah. tonight. So, well, I think the, the fact that it's, and I like barrel proof, you yeah. know, it tastes more mature than four to five years, which is the age statement on the bottle. Um, I'll tell you, I, and I know this is your bot. Can I have this bottle? Well, we're going to trade. Yeah, we'll trade. <laughs> I'm not trading with you. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm joking. I'll bring it to your house Friday night yeah. and we'll just drink it. Okay. Fantastic. Um, um, you know what? Michael Palanini, great. You know, he's so nice to come on. I know he had other, he's got family commitments in the evening. Yeah. He's got two small kids. Yeah. You know, he had so much other things to do to come on the podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, Penelope bourbon is, um, y- you need to try it. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, get on it early, get this toasted. If you can find it, mm-hmm. barrel strength toasted, uh, pick up the barrel strength. That mm-hmm. was probably, if I had to rank them, that would be my number two only because that's my preference. Other people will taste these four and go completely different. The, I thought architect was, was very, very good. And you know, uh, the rosé is, um, it's pretty damn good. It's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get my arms around it all because, you know, uh, going in, going into, you know, the whiskey industry and all the years that we've, we've kind of selected barrels throughout Kentucky and Tennessee and everywhere else, you go in with this one kind of idea, preconceived notion of what bourbon or rye is going to be. And, you know, the four whiskeys we had tonight, they just don't fit in the box. And, um, And so I'm trying to figure out, well, how do I feel about that? I mean, am I actually drinking like true, uh, like a bourbon category, right? Uh, it's like, a, um, and so like if I, I look at the, um, the rosé, right? I mean, and it may be that, that, that the major bourbon, you know, distilleries that are out there right now in Kentucky are a little behind the curve because they can produce a thousand variations of what, right. what these really small batches are, are producing. And, but maybe they're kind of looking at that. Well, this is not part of our kind of our strategic plan or our, our business footprint. But when I um think about the, the Rose uh, cast finish and I, I read about it where it was just an offhand comment, like he said, but uh, you know, from his wife as to well, you try a Rose finish. And um, ultimately um, in trying it finally, tonight you know I, I just i don't know if i would call it a bourbon i mean and it's a bourbon but it's yeah. it's got different totally different citrusy type profile and they're using a 99 percent you know you know corn but, kind of recipe but i think that's what makes I mean, it's yeah. very unique and yeah. so if you're looking for something a little different go yeah. with rosé if yeah. you're looking for yeah. The more traditional, yeah. you go the, the barrel strength or the uh, toasted. Right. And if you yeah. want the architect, you're, you know, they're, they're doing what, kind of what you would get like when the, through the makers, you know, series where they're, you know, doing French staves, you can like control the different staves. They've done that here with, with the architect. Um, but let's go back to the real I issue. think it's L- all, let's... it's just all so like uh, everything we tried tonight 
yeah. was also different. It wouldn't be it, like... It was very different. Like if we uncork that Elijah Craig barrel proof right there, right. that private selection, it, it's going to be a whole different class. Not better, not worse, just yeah. different. But predictable. This, yeah. the variation is different. No but, but let's go back to the real story. Yeah. 2018, you've got guys that have jobs. They're de- the the size of the coconuts on these guys to walk away from their jobs and say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to do a, we're going to start a, a bourbon company named after my daughter. Yeah. Wow. Well, and to take essentially barrels out of MGP that were three years or less mm-hmm. with, with, with highlighted by the 99% corn bourbon. I mean, to me, that's, that's like the, that's the wildest thing. I think like, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've interviewed a lot of people here on our podcast. This one's a little bit interesting because they kind of used a little bit of their whole, like, what do we think would go well or taste well, or yeah, man, why don't we just try that? And sure, sure enough, you're getting these, uh, whiskeys that are all very interesting. Yeah. Now you're going to have to decide, you know, is it worth the 60 to $75 a bottle? It it's is. a it's a craft it it's a craft whiskey, it's a craft whiskey, and you just have to decide at some point. Yeah, you know where are you on that? You know, okay, I'm gonna buy a bottle of that to kind of try it. It's gonna be different. It's not a it's a it's a right. It's a steep price. You're gonna have to pay it. For people like you and me, you know, it's worth the worth the purchase because we can buy those bottles. We can try it. It's something different, uh, and then we have to decide. Well, we're gonna move on to you know. Well, here's what I want to know. Number yeah. one. Since the rosé has a glass cork, can you store it on its side? So for the folks out there listening, email me, ben, B-E-N, at bourbonpodcast.com. Tell me what you think. Am I crazy? Ben's crazy. If it's a if it's a glass cork, yeah, well, that's, that's a given. I Where is Kyle when you need yeah, him? Yeah, Kyle. Poor Kyle. Kyle would be all over you. But, or can you not? Do you still yeah. need to stir, uh, store it vertically? Second thing is, these guys it's did what looking. we all want to do. These guys yeah. left their jobs. They started a bourbon company just for that, just for that. You know, the, the, the best bourbon, it's the, it, it, it is about taste, but it's really about the story. You know, if you hear a story, a, a bourbon with a good story, there's just something about it. This, yeah. this bourbon has a great story. I love it. I would say that I'm rooting for him. Just like, um, we were just talking earlier about our prior guest, um, she is master distiller. Jackie Zakam. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm rooting for her. I'm rooting for the batches that she's coming up with. I mean, to me, there are some parallels between the two with one real big difference, which is the, this group is Penelope is clearly rooted in their MG, their sourcing of their MGP bourbons at this juncture. And maybe that will change. Jackie's, you know, she's running around. She's killing it. And, and you know, the, the funny state thing. State to state. Like, oh. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's. She's doing what yeah, we knew she would Yeah, they're both doing great things. Yeah, so. they're doing great. And so, you know, the funny thing is, so yesterday I was in Louisville. I was in, I walked into Total Wine and I see Five Trail, David Coors. And I see, <laughs> you know, um, uh, Hidden Barn, Jackie's. And they had three different selections of the Hidden Barn. And and I see Pinelli now. Like, yeah. you know what? It's so awesome just to hear their story and to meet them yeah. and to talk to them. Uh, it makes the it taste better. It makes it easier to go out and 
pay the price tag yeah, on the bottle. Absolutely. Because I think before those interviews, you probably that's not where my my buck is going. No, it's more traditional. But I like right. the, I like the. I'm rooting for the little guy. Yeah. You know, I'm rooting for the Jackies out there that are leaving yeah. the the uh, the the old Forester and starting their own brand. I'm rooting for the guy who, you know, leaves his job to start Penelope. Uh, I'm leaving. You're rooting for David Coors, who, you know, after years of his dad telling him, "No, we're we're a beer family, son." You know, he yeah. starts his. That's who I'm rooting for. So, hey, I'm folks. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. We've got a lot coming next month. We've probably a couple of episodes. And of course, we always have our proof positive, which we will launch in uh, probably a week or so after this one. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you.